It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. We have got a great watershed Guys Guys Radio show for you tonight. Our special guest is one of the top spiritual messengers in the world, if not the most well-known, and that is Neil Donald Walsh. He does not do a lot of interviews. He does not do a lot of public appearances. He is a real gentleman, and he's been kind enough to uh, offer to come on the show to talk about his new book, The Essential Path, which is fantastic. It's about making the daring decision to be who you truly are, and it's really about uh, aligning with your truth. And Neil, if you are not really aware of him, he's the author of the series Conversations with God. And it's this, these are life-changing books because it'll, they'll change your perspective in terms of how you see the world and how you'll see how dysfunctional, upside down, everything we're doing on this planet is right now. I mean, we have a lot of well-intended systems set up and... Unfortunately, they're not doing what they're intended to do. In fact, in many ways, a lot of the systems we've put in place are doing the exact opposite. So Neil's written these books, The Conversation with God series, and his new one, The Essential Path. And uh, I'm really blessed to have him on the show because, as I mentioned, he doesn't do a lot of appearances. And his books have meant a lot to me and have really catapulted me in terms of my own growth, in terms of uh, connecting with my truth and uh, knowing who I am, what I am, and, and how I serve. Uh, so it's a real thrill for me, and I hope you will uh, enjoy this show as much as I've enjoyed my conversations with Neil, and I also hope you'll tell your friends about it and download it, because Neil, again, does not do a lot of appearances, and it's a real coup for us to get him on Guys Guys Radio. So um, I, I can't wait to get started. We're back, Guys Guys Radio. As I mentioned, we have a very, very special show. Our special guest and somebody I, I really wanted to talk to because he's been such a, an influence on my life through his, his work. And I can relate to a lot of his experience. So I did not have the ups and downs quite as dramatically as he had. But Neil Donald Walsh is with us today. And as you probably know, he is the author, uh, the spiritual messenger and author, the author of Conversations with God, a series of books that's emerged from his encounters with God, kind of channeled through him into translations into 37 languages. They've touched millions of people, inspiring important changes in people's everyday lives. And it's a really fantastic series of books that if, if you haven't gotten into them, and I know for my audience, we're, what we're doing is introducing, uh, we know there's a lot of seekers out there. People want to know more. And what we're doing is introducing a lot of new thinking and a lot of new teachers. And we've got the grade A, the number one, the best teacher we can get out there today with Neil Donald Walsh. Now, let me tell you just a little bit more about him. He's also written 37 books. It's 37 languages translation, but 37 books, uh, some of them in the With God series, Conversations with God, books one through three, Friendship with God, Communion with God. And then he's got seven uh, books in the series that reached uh, the New York Times bestseller list and Conversation of, with God, book one was on the list for two and a half years. His most recent books are When Everything Changes, Change Everything, The Storm Before the Calm, The Only Thing That Matters, so much more. But we're going to talk about his latest book called The Essential Path. And it's just coming out now, June 2019. And Neil has, has travels extensively offering presentations focused on what he calls the most important question 
facing humanity today. Is it possible that there is something we don't fully understand about God and life, the understanding of which would change everything? It's a fantastic question. You can also get in touch with Neil um, at uh, cwgconnect.com. So he's also been all over the world, from the steps of Machu Picchu in Peru to the streets I see on his list here of Seoul. And I just got back from 15 days in Seoul, Korea. And I got to tell you, it is an exotic, amazing country that, you know, most people don't think about Seoul, Korea too much. But I got to tell you, it is a fascinating country, fascinating city. I was all over the country of Korea, and it's really an amazing place and amazing people. But anyhow, our special guest, Neil Donald Walsh on Guys Guys Radio. Welcome to the show, Neil. Well, Robert, thank you. That was a very kind thing to say about uh, my work. I don't think I'm the best messenger or the best person uh, in the world doing this kind of work, but I do, I do think that what we all are trying to share, all the messengers and all the teachers, is very important, particularly at this point in time, uh, on our planet. So I appreciate, Robert, the opportunity to share these moments with you. Thank you. Okay. Well, let's get right into it. Um, I want to talk about the new book, and then I want to ask you some uh, questions about your own experience. But let's just start. At the beginning of the book, it's called The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. And it starts out with a notion that humans are a very young species, and then you prove the point. But it's something that I don't think any of us ever think about. We think, oh, well, you know, there's been so much history, and maybe the United States is only a couple of hundred years old, but humanity's been around for a while, and planet Earth's been around for a while. But actually, it's really almost a nanosecond in terms of overall time. Could you talk to us a little bit about that and what the importance of that notion is? Well, yeah, first of all, just to, just to put it into context, if you took the age of the Earth and overlaid it on a calendar year, just for purposes of scale, so that we could hold in our in our mind uh, some huge, enormous amounts of uh, pieces of data. It, so let's just let's just pretend that the Earth was born, that the Earth came into existence uh, on January first on that scale, and let's pretend that today is uh, December thirty first on that scale. Using that scale, the first form of life. A very, very submolecular form of elementary form of life did not appear on this planet until the end uh, of February. But far more sophisticated life forms, uh, fishes in the sea, birds in the air, did not uh, occur and did not appear until the end of November, around Thanksgiving time. The first dinosaurs did not appear until December 5th on that scale. <laughs> Amazing. And did not disappear on that scale until December the 25th. On that scale, the first humanoids, not human beings, but mammals that walked on two legs and began to act a little bit like humans, uh, didn't appear until December the 31st. And human beings did not appear until somewhere around 11 o'clock p.m. on December 31st. And, and here's the interesting point, on that scale, all of recorded history has taken place in the last 60 seconds of the year. Now, that's how young we are as a species compared to the age of the Earth. Forget about the age of the cosmos. We're not even a blink of an eye old as a species uh, compared to the age of the cosmos. It's important for us to see that and to know that because it places into context our own behaviors. We are, in fact, behaving like little children. And there are a thousand ways we do that every day of our lives. But we don't have to. We're not, we're not uh, destined to do that. We're not condemned to do that by any outside force. It's simply a product of how young we are as a species. The biggest problem that the world is facing today, and it seems like everything else 
that flows in the book comes from that question. And um, I think if anybody turns on the television today, turns on CNN or Fox News, they can kind of get an idea as to what that issue is. So please tell us about that, Neil. Well, I've, I've, I've observed that the biggest problem in the world today is that we don't know. Most people don't know what the biggest problem in the world today is. That is, we, we know the effect. We know the outfall. We can see the outcome of the problem, the product of it, if you please. But we don't know what's causing that outcome. We don't know what's causing those things to occur. Now, you know you've got a really big problem when you can see the outcome every day uh, wherever you turn, but you can't figure out what's causing it. The outcome, the product of our problem, can be put into one word, alienation. I've never seen the people of our planet so alienated from each other as I am witnessing today mm-hmm. all, over, all over the planet in, every, in virtually every country on the earth. We are alienated into one group against another. You know, in, in our, in our pol- political groups are alienated from each other. Our, our nationalities are alienated from each other. Our religions, people of various religions, are finding themselves more and more alienated from each other. Uh, people of different uh, sexual orientations, people of different age groups, people of different races. All of a sudden, it's us against them. We suddenly find ourselves in this us-against-them kind of world. And we don't know why it's happening and, and what's causing it, much less how to turn the ship around mm-hmm. uh, and, and get away from it. At, at a time when we need each other more than ever, we are uh, working against each other, stepping aside from each other and fighting each other, literally and figuratively. So, and the, and the re, uh, in my view, the reason is we don't understand what's causing the problem. We, 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 think we, uh, we think we understand that the problem is all those other people. You know, if they weren't acting the way they're acting, if those, you know, if those young people weren't asking the, acting the way they're acting, if those angry women weren't acting the way they're acting, if those uh, illegal immigrants weren't acting the way they're acting, right, right. if all those people weren't doing what they're doing, even people in that other party, if, if, if people in that other uh, political party weren't acting the way they're acting, everything would be going just fine. And we're deluding ourselves into imagining that that's the truth. Uh, but, but, it, but in fact, and, and we refuse to look beneath the surface to see what is causing this alienation, this sense of us against them that we are seeing now all over the world. Now, from what I read in the book, um, it seems like uh, this is a systematic failure, according to you, in how we're living and, par- and partially uh, comes from the fact that the systems that we've put in place are actually doing the exact opposite of what they had originally been envisioned for, maybe with good intentions, political, uh, social, even the internet, social media, whatever, but our systems are messed up. So how can we not kind of be messed up? Could you talk about that a little bit? Now? I, I would love to, Robert. In fact, let me just expand on that just a little bit because it's, it's powerfully true. We have created on this planet a, a series of systems that we had hoped would make life better for us on the earth. Our political systems are among them. We had hoped that our political systems would help nations become closer to other nations and cooperate more fully with them. And that peoples you know, of different, of different uh, genders and races and religions and so forth would, would be able to come closer together. But, but in fact, our political systems have produced not that outcome, which is the outcome for which they were designed, but in fact have produced exactly the opposite 
The same is true of our economic systems. We have tried, it's not like we haven't tried, to be fair to us as a species, it's not like we haven't tried. We've tried various forms of economic systems, uh, capitalism, communism among them, and there are others as well, mixtures of the two and so forth. We haven't been able to find a way to make the economic systems of the planet work on the behalf of most of the people on this planet. In fact, just exactly the opposite is true. And the same is true, uh, sadly, of even our spiritual systems, which we call religions. We've created uh, uh, many religions. There are 423 known sacred scriptures on the earth, for, for those who aren't aware of that. And, and many, 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 many religions, as we know, including uh, not a small number of so-called mainline religions. And we had hoped that sur- surely these religions would help us get closer to God and closer to each other. But they as well have done exactly the opposite. More people have been killed in the name of God in the history of this world than any other single cause, which, which is what has created people putting bumper stickers on their cars. And now you may have seen one of those bumper stickers on the back of the car ahead of you. God, save me from your people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we, we see that the systems, our economic systems, our political systems, our social systems, and as you, as you mentioned a minute ago, even our, our internet systems, you know, our, our social media, we thought, well, here's, this is the great breakthrough. Now we can all talk to each other, and now we can at least have direct communication with each other with a, with a click of a button and, 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 and a couple of keyboard strokes, and, and we're in touch with people all around the world. This will bring us closer together. And sadly, even that system has done exactly the opposite. Mm. Yeah, that's Separating so us mm-hmm. and, 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 and producing uh, on the internet such dissension and such anger in our discourse. So, yeah. none of, so the, the, my point, Robert, is that none of the systems we've put into place are working because we keep trying to solve the problem that the world is facing at every level except the level at which the problem exists. Robert, the problem is not a political problem. It's not an economic problem. It's not a spiritual problem. It's not a social network problem. The problem facing the world today is a spiritual problem. Mm -hmm. It has to do with what we fundamentally believe about who we are, about our relationship to each other, about the purpose of life, and about that aspect of life that some of us call God. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you know, you're so right, and particularly about social, social media and the internet, where you think it's going to bring people together. There's so, it's, there's so much anger on there. Uh, yesterday, um, somebody posted, I'm on a spiritual awakening group, and I've never, I've never responded to anything. And somebody put a post up that said, uh, caffeine, does it, lower your vi- does it raise or lower your vibration? And I wrote down, it's, it's, a, it's a drug. And uh, boom, five people, one after the other. Hey, hater. Try the decaf. It's for you. <laughs> and things like that. I'm like, this is amazing. I can't believe how angry people are. But, you, but you're so right. And it's, it's so dysfunctional that the systems we're putting in place to do one thing are doing just the opposite. Now, you also talk about kind of a, a template or a paradigm, which, is ide- which I think people need to know about. And that is ideas create beliefs. Beliefs create behaviors. Behaviors create experience. And experience creates our reality. So we need to start with the right ideas. What, what do you mean by that? I mean exactly what you just said. The ideas that are held by humanity create beliefs that we are refusing to let go of. You know, this is interesting. Let, let me explain something about beliefs, if I could, Robert. 
Beliefs are probably the single most important aspect of the human experience for the reasons you just outlined, because beliefs create our behaviors, our behaviors create our reality, ultimately, by producing our experience. But, what, but there's something interesting about humanity's uh, fundamental beliefs, our political beliefs, our spiritual beliefs, our philosophical beliefs. We are willing to do in every other area of human experience what we are totally unwilling to do in the most important area, the area of our beliefs. Mm-hmm. We do it in science, we do it in medicine, we do it in technology, but we will not do it with regard to our beliefs. And that is question the prior assumption. Robert, the minute our scientists come up with a, with a discovery, they put it to the test. They question the prior assumption. Nothing is held sacred in the scientific laboratory. The same is true in medicine. As soon as a researcher comes up with what he or she believes is a cure or a marvelous breakthrough, they put it to the test. Nothing is held sacred. They question the prior assumption. The same is true in our technology. In fact, in every other area of human endeavor, except our beliefs, you may not question the prior assumption upon which your beliefs are based. If you do, you're called an apostate, a heretic, a blasphemer, and in some countries, you're actually sentenced to death for questioning beliefs that in some cases are thousands and thousands of years old, hundreds of years old at least, and in some cases, many thousands of years old. If we did the same thing in medicine that we are doing in the area of our most fundamental beliefs, we'd be going into surgery using a very sharp stick. Mm -hmm. So we are using early century, first century and before solutions, so-called solutions, beliefs, to solve 21st century problems mm-hmm. because we simply refuse to, see, to, to admit that, wait a minute, wait a minute, is it possible, just possible, that there's something we don't fully understand here about life, about ourselves, about each other, and yes, about God? the understanding of which would change everything. Mm-hmm. And Neil, you mentioned uh, Einstein's famous quote about, you know, you can't use the same thinking that created the problems to solve them. And it's so true and probably never more true than right now that to your point that you just made, we keep going back and trying to fix things by using the same solutions. You have a war, you have a peace treaty, some money exchange, things quiet down, then it happens again. And what I think you're saying is we need to really shift our our consciousness and how we approach the problems that we created by looking at them from another more spiritual, more loving angle. Is that, is that accurate? It's very accurate, Robert. And that that is the really the summation of the point that I hope to make in the book. We have to take a new path. The, The pathway we've been using for thousands of years on this planet to solve our problems has not taken us to a place called solutions. They've taken us to a box Canyon where we keep on facing ourselves and there's no way to go. No, no, no way to proceed along that path. We have to take the essential path. The essential path, that's why I call the book The Essential Path, is the pathway to a new understanding of who we are, why we are here on the earth. What is our purpose? What is our relationship, our true relationship with, it, with each other? And yes, what is our relationship with that aspect of life that, as I mentioned before, some people call God, Yahweh, Brahman, Jehovah, whatever mm-hmm. name you want to use to talk about that ineffable essence mm-hmm. that obviously is at the core of the entire universe. Got it. 
Okay, this is Guys Guys Radio. Robert Manny, your host. Our special guest is Neil Donald Walsh of the uh, Conversations with God series and the new book, The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. Um, one of the things you mentioned in the book, Neil, that I thought really, I, what I love about the book is it's a short book, but it's power packed. I could only read a couple of chapters, even though, even though they were short, and I had to put the book down and, and process a little bit. So uh, one of the things you get into, though, to help uh, help the reader is you like you break down humanity into three types of people. And it sounds like, oh, how can you do that? It's a generalization. But yet it's very true. And the way you did it, you came at it from a very conscious uh, uh, perspective, a very loving perspective. And the, you mentioned the three type of people. And the third type is kind of what we all aspire to uh, and hopefully are moving towards is we're, we're spirits manifesting physically and one essence manifesting individually together. Could you please, Neil, for our listeners, talk about the three groups of people and then really articulate what I just mentioned about kind of group three and how we can kind of work together to shift more people over to that third group? Well, I'll do my best at that, Robert. I, I, I observed through the years, I'm not a young man anymore. I'm 75 years old, so I've been around the block a few times and, and, and I've had a, a lot of time to observe things. And what I, and, and, but, I, but I started my life as a young man, as a young boy, uh, deeply immersed in the Christian faith. And uh, I, in fact, I thought at one point that I would become a priest. All, all the, the nuns at the Catholic school that I attended, God bless them, they said, he has the calling. And, and, I, you know, and I really did in a sense because I was deeply immersed in my effort to understand life at, a, mm-hmm. a, at that level. So I found, I observed that people fall into three groups, as you said. Group one is that group of people who says, you know, we are more than just physical beings. We are not just physical entities, mammals walking on the planet. In fact, we are spiritual creatures. We have what we call in some traditions a soul or a spirit. And, and we are here uh, in order to learn and to use our lives, uh, and in some ways to see if we can't, how would I put this, deserve or find a way to make ourselves worthy of returning whence we came, of returning, to, if you please, to God in heaven. And if we don't do a good job at that, we're not going to go there. We're going to go to someplace else. Right. Not, not I'm, ca- I'm a Catholic also, and I had the same thing from my folks. Yeah, you should be a priest. And I started asking the questions, and I'm like, I, I don't know if this works for me. Yeah, it did, well, it didn't work for me because I couldn't imagine a God who would send me to everlasting damnation. Exactly. For something as innocent as choosing the wrong religion. Maybe I just chose to believe something different. Or missing I, mass, right? Or, yeah, or missing mass on Sunday. Because, you know, the Catholic Church teaches that if you miss mass on Sunday uh, and you don't have a, a valid excuse, uh, you're going to, and you die without going to confession. That's right, mortal you, sin. You're going to hell. You're going yeah. to hell. For missing, so here we have churches, and not just the Catholic Church, but many churches that have used fear as a means of uh, seeking loyalty and causing people to believe in a certain way. So that's group one. Group one believes that we are, in fact, uh, spiritual entities, not physical entities only, and that we are working to get back to heaven. Essentially, that's a, that's a broad brush stroke of, a version of it, but mm-hmm. but. Group two are people who don't believe any of that. That, that is, they don't, they don't believe that, that we are spiritual entities. They believe that we are simply physical entities, that we live, we, we, we're born, we live, we die. We do the best we can with it. And when we go, we go, and that's the, that's the beginning and the end of it. And there's nothing more to talk about. 
but we, but our job here is to do the best we can, or at least our opportunity here is to do the best we can while we're here. And that's what we're up to. And that's our opportunity. And that's the invitation of life, but nothing there's, we don't necessarily believe in an afterlife and, and, uh, and life, life is what it is. There's nothing more than what you see right in front of your face. And we are, in fact, physical entities. So that's the beginning and the end of it. Group three is the group that I'm most interested in. Those are people who believe we are, in fact, spiritual entities and that we have far more control, far more interactive uh, power uh, in the process of our lives uh, than, than uh, people in either of the first two groups could ever possibly imagine. So group three sees itself as part of a unified field, if you please, what Einstein would have called the unified field, the part of a contextual field in which all things are one thing. There is only one thing and all things are part of the one thing there is. If that's fundamentally true, that means that the one thing of which we are a part lives, breathes, and has its being in every single aspect of life, not just on earth, but in the entire cosmos. How I like to describe it and how I describe it in the book is we are to God as a wave is to the ocean. The wave, of, the wave, of course, is not the ocean. We, nobody, nobody would consider, no, consider us in our right mind if we said that we are God. But if we said that that which God is lives in me and expresses through me, even as the wave is contained or contains the ocean, the wave is not separate from the ocean in any way. The ocean is, in fact, expressing itself individually as one of its many waves. And when the expression is complete, the wave recedes back into the ocean. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful metaphor, and it, it allows me to understand in my finite mind the infinite truth of our relationship with all of life and with divinity itself. Mm -hmm. and, and as you broke it down in the book, Neil, you say, it's also like a drop of water to the, to the ocean also, um, where if you take it down quantumly to the subatomic particles, everything isn't separate. There actually, there's like a web, an energetic web that still connects things, even though they're separate entities, if you will. I know I'm not articulating that uh, the way you can, so maybe you can help us out with that. Well, people are going to say, how does that separation work? How can we all be together and separate at the same time? How does that work? Well, it's a matter of perception. Uh, it, it, if you look deeply into it, physics, this is not, this is, uh, not uh, metaphysical uh, 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 guessing. Mm -hmm. of, uh, physics, uh, physics tells us this, and physicists have said this for a long time, that everything is one thing. There is only one element, one energetic expression, and we are all part of that, and that energetic expression is absent from nothing. And, but it is expressed individually not separately, but individually. Therefore, a rose does not look like a lilac, and a man does not look like a woman, thank God. And, and uh, uh, many things appear to be different because of their different appearance, but that does not mean that because they are different, they are separate. Mm -hmm. So a thing, a thing, in fact, can be different without being separate, and that's the key here. If we take that, Neil, to like the next level... Um, then to me, the, the way to live a better life is that if we can recognize the divinity in every individual, and if we do that throughout the day, every day, like when I take the subway, I see the guy making pizza, whatever it is, if I can recognize the divinity in everybody, the world changes significantly 
when your perspective changed that way because you're seeing God experiencing himself through everybody and being a part of everybody. We've been taught that, you know, we're all from God. We're all d- developed in God's image. But people don't necessarily think that every day in the separatism that we're, uh, world we're living in right now. Could you help me out with that? You know, I don't even think we have to see the divinity in everybody. I, I like the way you put that. And I often use that turn of phrase myself. But some people, and let's be fair, it's okay. Some people have a hard time imagining that divinity exists in everyone or that they are seeing divinity mm-hmm. when they see other people, particularly when they see the actions of certain other people. Right. They say, you know, what's divine about that? So, but I, I, don't, so I don't know that it's necessary for people in order to make the leap that I'm suggesting in the book to see the divinity in everyone if they can see the identity of everyone and the right. unity, yes. the unity of everyone. If, they can see, if I can look across the street and see that guy do, making the pizza and say, hey, there goes another aspect of me. That, that is, that person and I are united in some inexplicable but very real way. We are all one. And, you know, and, and when I see that, then I realize that I have to treat that person as I would want myself to be treated uh, in order for us to create the kind of world for which we have long yearned and for which we all, and of which we all dream. Mm-hmm. Yet we're not doing that. You know, and I'm not the first, obviously I'm not the first person to suggest this. Every major religion on the face of the earth teaches some form of do unto others as you would have it done unto you. Right. Not, because, not because it's a nice way to act, but because, in fact, it's the only way that life can function effectively and marvelously as it was intended to. Mm-hmm. So we have to treat everything, including the earth, by the way, as if it were a part of us. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you make a great point in that uh, you say that everything is created from lo- everything is love. And I, and I really love this notion because. What that says is, uh, and you, you articulated very, very well during, in the book, uh, as that even when people do bad things, they're coming from a place of loving something that caused them to do that. So it's, it's imperative that we learn, like the Pope did, he forgave the guy and even pardoned him who shot him, um, that we come at the world, to the world, with the world, from a place of love because the world is love. Let me go back a step. Uh, we're talking basically about energy. I, I want to make the point, and I think that there are very few people anymore these days who would disagree with this. Everything is comprised of energy. Everything that exists at any level, from sub-sub-subatomic particles to the largest physicality in the universe, is comprised of and made up of energy. Now, if that's true, then, then we see that that is the, the strain that moves through all of us and, and we have given a name to that. Uh, in, in human experience, we call that love in English, L-O-V-E, love. And, and we are saying in the book, The Essential Path, and by the way, almost all spiritual messengers say the same thing, love is all there is. That means that every act is an act of love. One of the most astonishing statements that was made to me in the Conversations with God dialogue was that statement. Everything that's ever been done is being done now and ever will be done is an act of love. That's true about every action throughout human history. Of course, I raised all sorts of objections when I first heard that. I said, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
how can certain acts of terror, or for that matter, something as simple as stealing somebody's money or whatever it might be, how can that be an act of love? And I was told, Neil, look at it deeply. Stop looking at life from the surface. Look at it deeply. If you look at it deeply, it is the love of something, the love of power, or the love of a principle that we don't want to have taken away from us, the love of something that we think we can't have or that will be taken away from us or that we think we need to protect. It is the love of something that causes us to act in the way we act in order to have it, to gain it, or to protect it, or to stop it from being taken away from us. The key question then that we can ask anyone who acts in a way that feels aberrant and, and, and dysfunctional, we say to that person, what do you love so much that you feel you have to hurt me in order to have it or to keep it or to protect it? This is why God doesn't have to forgive us. Because God understands that what we do, we do of an act of love. It's not that we don't love something, a principle or an idea or a belief system or a person or even an object. You know, I took that ballpoint pen when I was 16 from the desk next to me because I really loved it. And I just really wanted to have one just like it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I could get it any other way. So I swiped it from the desk next to me. God understands that. Even with the most horrific human actions, God says, look, these children who are so young in the universe, this young species, they do love. They simply don't know how to love in a way which does not harm another. But I have compassion and understanding. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Always remember that, my friends. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. And so God understands that we are as children in the universe acting our, acting out our love for something in ways that are damaging others because we think that's the only way to have what we love protected or to have what we love come to us in the way we choose for it to be experienced in our lives. So God doesn't have to forgive us. God merely understands us. And by the way, people think that human beings aren't capable of that, but we do that all the time in our own lives. If, if we see our three-year-old uh, uh, grandchild reaching across the table at her birthday party and she knocks over the milk and there's suddenly milk all over the birthday table. We don't punish her. We, we, you know, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have to forgive her. We don't say, it's okay, honey, I forgive you. Forgiveness is not part of the experience. We look at that three-year-old child. Not only do we not forgive that three-year-old child, we actually comfort her in the moment of her so-called transgression mm-hmm. because we understand how a three-year-old could act that way. Now, when we begin to understand that most human beings are acting like three-year-olds, the mystery disappears and the veil is lifted. And then we see how the Pope could have forgiven the man who shot him six times with intentions to kill him because he went to the man's jail cell and he said, why did you do that? And the man actually explained, well, you know, I have a belief that you are uh, part of the devil. I have a belief that you are bringing bad messages to the world. And the Pope says to this guy who shot him, I don't agree with your beliefs, but I can understand, given what you believe, I can understand why you would do what you did. And you know what? As the story goes, the Pope and the man shook hands. They become wonderful friends. They they became pen pals and wrote letters to each other for years. And then the Pope, as you mentioned earlier, actually asked the government, to, to give the man a full pardon, which the government did. That's, mm-hmm. that's clarity. Mm-hmm. That's wisdom. And if we all acted in that way, the world would change overnight. 
Great. I love it. Um, okay, Robert Manny here, your guys' guy. It's Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Neil Donald Walsh. The new book is The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. Um, I think the book leads to a certain point where you come out and say, we are all one, and then get into kind of how can we consciously choose God and, and embed God into how we live our day-to-day lives. And you give some basic blocking and tackling tips to help the, the, the every man out there do that. And that's what Guys Guys Radio is all about. We're trying to put information out there for people who are busy in their lives but are looking for more and they want to live their best lives. How, well, how do I do this? What are the first steps? And you put some tools in here, and they start with, Neil, um, three questions. So uh, do you want me to read the questions or you want to do them? I'd love to, to offer the questions because they're powerful in, in, in my life. These three questions are very powerful tools that help us to connect with all that we've been talking about um, these past moments. Tool number one, whenever I become my, in, in, engrossed or involved in any kind of interaction in the, in the world at large, whether it's maybe just a little bit of a, a, a spat that I'm having with my wife across the kitchen table, or maybe just an invitation to go to a cocktail party that some friend has called me on the phone. Or maybe it's just a decision. What, what, what movie should I watch on television tonight? Whenever I'm confronted with any aspect of my life exterior to myself, I will ask myself question number one. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? That's an incredibly powerful question. Let, let's just pretend that I am having a moment of, of uh, uh, disagreement with my beloved spouse. And she's saying stuff, and I'm saying stuff that we both know we're going to regret before the day is over. But we're just having these words, you know, across the room. And if I stop for 10 seconds and ask myself, wait a minute, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Suddenly it recontextualizes the experience itself and causes me to respond to my answer to that question. Even simple things in life, like being invited to a cocktail party. What does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? Or being on Robert's uh, talk show, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? The second question of the three questions that, that are very powerful is, when I look at the outside world and I see an aspect of it and I ask myself, whether, by the way, whether it's something ugly that I'm looking at or something really beautiful that I'm looking at, but I ask myself the same question, what part of me am I seeing over there? Is there any part of me that I am seeing over there. And I'm going to leave the third question to you, Robert, because you, you, can, you can articulate it better than I. Well, they're, they're, first of all, the three questions are great, and I started working with them uh, yesterday, and they've helped me already. And the third one is, what does God want me to say to the world today through me? And that's that, to me, it is the yeah. most powerful of the three. That's and why I left it for you to ask, because <laughs> you're, on, you're the host of this program. <laughs> but you know what? It's helped me so much. I was uh, having a little bit of a, you know, my, my wife's been getting on my, me about my connection with my son. I have a six-year-old. And um, I figured I have to come up with a way to fix this. And I, I was kind of like on work on two fronts. And I, I don't know what God came through me and said, the way you do this is you connect with your son and then your wife's going to get on board and she'll see that. And it's worked. It's only been two days, but it's worked. But I don't know if that's exactly what this is saying here. What does God want me to say to the world today through me? But how can I express myself in a loving, more, most loving, godlike way to everybody who crosses my path 
and that should help solve a lot of my issues that um, I may think I have to do 20 different things, but if I just start using that filter, it's going to help. Does that make sense, Neil? It makes total sense, and that is the agenda of the soul. <laughs> the first question, mm -hmm. what does this have to do with the agenda of the soul? A listener might say, someone listening to us might, now might say, well, I, you know, first of all, I have to know what the agenda of my soul is. That is the agenda of the soul. The agenda of the soul is to announce and declare, express and fulfill, become and experience who you really are. That is to use your life on earth as an opportunity to express and experience your divinity. Fantastic. Um, the rest of the book goes on with, uh, there's a lot of tips about uh, experiencing true nature at the highest level, a lot of tips and tools for that, and how would an awakened species would experience life. But if it's okay with you, Neil, because we're running out of time, I wanted to kind of ask you a couple of like, throw some curveballs at you and like talk about you a little bit, because I think your story is so so amazing, and you are a spiritual messenger and one of the most important of our time. For folks who don't know, Neil uh, kind of had ups and downs. He had a very successful career. Then he had some downturns, and he wrote a letter. He was uh, destitute, I guess, and you wrote a letter to God, and God came to you through channeling, and you came up with your book, Conversations with, with God. What has been the totality of the, you know, that's probably been, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, that happening to you, you look back now, what do you say? To yourself. Why can't I live up to fully what I am inviting other people to embrace? Wow. That's powerful. That's really powerful. Do you think um, you felt the same way 10 years ago? Oh, yes. Yeah. My, my, my struggle has been, you know, <laughs> I, feel like I'm, I feel like somebody who's been given a million dollar gift and no, no way to spend it. <laughs> no, no, nothing to buy. I mean, in a sense, uh, I, I, uh, Robert, I, I, I speak the message extremely well. I've been given the gift of articulation since I was a young man, actually. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been in one form or another of the performing arts since I was 21 years old. But I, I, I'm unable to step into the full living of it. I'm doing better now than I did 20 years. I'll, I'll give myself that. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like I've made no progress like you made progress with your six-year-old two, two days ago. Mm -hmm. So you know, we're all making progress, but I am a work in progress. And so what I say when people ask me a question like you just did is, if I had to, one thing to say, it would be, God, give me the ability to move faster and faster, closer and closer, to be the full representation of my true identity so that I can actually walk my talk. Mm -hmm. There are some people, by the way, I know who do that. Eckhart mm -hmm. Tolle is one of them. And I yep. know, I know mm -hmm. Eckhart well. He's a wonderful friend. Um, and uh, Byron Katie is another. And there are other people as well I know who actually walk their talk, who actually live uh, what they're sharing. I haven't gotten there yet, Robert, but I'm on my way. Uh, you're doing a fantastic job and you're inspiration to millions, including myself. Um, you mentioned in the Conversations of God book, if I, if I remember correctly, you say that when God channeled through you, he said, the earth is not a classroom. Is that true? Yes, we have nothing to learn. We have only to remember okay. who we really are. And, 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 you know, God said to me, Neil, look outside your window. I did. She said, what do you see? I said, a tree. She said, okay, can you imagine that tree at one point was a seedling, actually an actual seed, no larger than your little fingernail? I said, yes, I can. That was probably true at one point in time. And then God said, what do you imagine that tree has learned 
from the time it was a seed no bigger than your fingernail to the time it's now this glorious oak outside with this canopy under which you now lie. What has it learned about being a tree? I said, well, it's learned nothing. It, it, apparently, all of it was encoded in the seed itself. God said, ah, I see. And if I so loved the world to put everything that tree needed to know to grow into what it is right now, mm-hmm. would I not all the more love you? Would I put you down there with none of the information and think that you have to somehow learn your way and get your way through terrible, terrible, difficult lessons? Or would it be a matter of simply going back to what you were encoded with as a seedling, if you please, as a, as a, a newborn? and remembering all the data and then calling it forth as life provided you an opportunity to do so. Mm -hmm. That's why I asked the question with each event in my life. Ah, what does this have to do with the agenda of my soul? So many people talk about, you know, manifesting is such a buzzword and they want to be able to create the life that they, that they want. And uh, some have the right intentions and some may not, but people are kind of wrestling with this and they're, at least they're trying to, you know, live their best lives. What, what do you have to say about that? What is the, what's the first good first step that people can take to, to create the life that they want? To realize that you're not creating your own reality in the way that some people teach you that you are. One of the most misunderstood teachings of the so-called uh, era in which we are now living mm-hmm. is you know, the, the, the line, you create your own reality. You do not create your own exterior reality unilaterally that is all by yourself. Your exterior reality is being co-created collaboratively by the lot of you. That is, all of us are co-creating our exterior reality just as Robert and I are now creating this reality called this program, as Mm -hmm. is everyone listening to it right now. Because, But what we are creating individually, unilaterally, is our interior experience of the collectively created exterior reality. You can want to create some exterior reality, like the perfect car, the perfect house, or the perfect mate, all you want. But if no one else uh, collaborates with you, you're not going to get very far. Because because that that isn't the purpose of life is to singularly produce exterior phenomena. But if you can if you can uh, collaborate with other people around you, you can begin to collaboratively and jointly produce exterior realities. But the it's the it's the interior reality, what you are experiencing within yourself, that is within your power to create. Now, what's important about that is. When we create a positive interior reality with regard to any exterior experience, we begin to affect that exterior experience in a positive way. And yes, that does have some influence in the extended expression of our exterior reality. That is, the power of positive thinking is real. And everyone from, you know, from uh, uh, years ago on by, you know, Jesus told us, as you believe, so will it be done unto you. But he was, he was talking about you in the plural sense, all of you, not one man standing in the middle of the desert. So our opportunity is to share with other people and to see if we can join with others in the co-creation of a new world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just two more questions. Uh, one is, um, when you are in, involved in the channeling, when God comes to experience himself through you in a more... Uh, a clearer way, if you will. I don't have a better word for it this time. I, I apologize. But do you ever get uh, messages from, you know, ascended masters or Jesus or ETs or Buddha, or is it always this 
uh, collective energy that uh, was referred to as God. Well, there's no difference. In the question you just asked, you just explained there's no difference. Or is it really the collective energy? <laughs> okay. So if it's the collective energy of Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, and all the rest, then it is, in fact, God. Got it. So, so when, I, when I receive information like that, I don't see it as coming from one of a 16 billion different sources, mm-hmm. but from capital T, capital S, the source. Okay. Um, the name of the show is Guys, Guys Radio. And since we have, uh, you know, we want to help men out because uh, men are at a crossroads nowadays, Neil, as you, I'm sure you know, where, you know, women are on a straight uh, trajectory towards long overdue recognition and accomplishments and achievements where men, their role is kind of like, they're not sure what they're supposed to do. They feel like they're under the microscope and it's tough. And a lot, as a result, a lot of guys, and I talk to them, they're angry. How, what's a good way for men to manage and conquer their anger. Stop it. <laughs> Stop being angry. <laughs> okay. Stop. Right. And I, I mean, seriously, you know, men like to consider them, many men at least, like to consider themselves powerful. <clears throat> but the way to conquer your anger is to realize that you have power over it. Now, I'm not going to get into all kinds of philosophical or, or psychological woo-woo here. Mm-hmm. It's simply a, 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 a step you know, if you if you want to know how to do it, go, go on uh, YouTube and Google Bob Newhart. Stop it! I, okay. I invite you all to do that. Just Google Bob Newhart. Stop it! It's a marvelous sketch that he did in his program where he was a psychologist, and it it it, it, it it'll have you rolling on the floor. But after you're rolling on the floor at the comedy of it, the the wisdom behind it will will befall you, and you'll go, "Oh, I get it." I actually have the power to stop this habit, even as I quit smoking, even as I stopped, you know, whatever other behavior that I didn't find desirable anymore to exhibit. And I can, I can simply stop expressing my anger. By the way, by the way, I'm not talking about stop being angry. Mm-hmm. Anger is a natural emotion, one of the seven natural emotions. So I'm not suggesting for a minute that a person, male or female, should never again be angry. I am suggesting that you should never again express your anger in a way that multiplies it or hurts another. It's perfectly okay to say in a kind of gentle way, you know, it makes me angry when I see you doing that. Or it makes me angry when I see myself doing this. Or this makes me angry when I see that person way over there doing that. So, but you know what a, a, a wonderful person once said to me, speak your truth, but soothe your words with peace. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, listen, Neil Donald Walsh, spiritual messenger for our generation. I'm so honored that you came on the show. You've been an inspiration to me. And I think you've helped so many people, our listeners out there today. So the name of the book, once again, The Essential Path, Making the Daring Decision to Be Who You Truly Are. Neil Donald Walsh, you are a guy's guy. Thank you so much for being my guest on Guys Guys Radio. I hope we can do it again at some point. Thank you, Robert. It was lovely to be here. And thank you once again for those very kind words. Blessings to you.
When I launched the Guys Guys Radio Show, I put together a kind of a hit list of my dream guests. And at the top of the list was somebody I consider to be the number one spiritual messenger uh, spokespeople in the world, and that's Neil Donald Walsh. He does not do a lot of interviews or public appearances. He's just an amazing person. His work has, has uh, impacted my life greatly. When I stumbled upon his book, as we often stumble upon important books, um, Conversations with God, it turned upside down everything I, my entire perspective on who I was, what I was, and how I can serve. And it gave me a very different perspective on on life as a human being in this dimension on this planet right now. And it really helped me. So it was a dream of mine to get him on the show. So I'm so thrilled that he was with us today. And uh, I ask you, if, uh, if you enjoyed the show, download it, rate it, review it on iTunes, and um, share it with your friends because this is our most important show to date. I've put together a new list of special guests that I want to get on the show, and we're going to get them all. And, uh, and I'm with you all the way. Uh, my job is to bring my listeners uh, provocative, interesting guests with different perspectives, new information and considerations, and then it's up to you folks to decide, hey, this is for me, or ah, not vibing with that, but I'm going to keep bringing them to you, and then you can take it from there. Along the way, uh, I've been able to talk to over 365 individuals who have really, uh, some of them, very brilliant perspectives on, on our, our life in, uh, right now. And it's been a real education for me. And I hope it can be that way for you also as we, we share this experience together. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today and allowing me into your uh, uh, consciousness, if you will, to share this uh, conversation today with Neil Donald Walsh. You can uh, find Guys Guys Radio uh, on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Block Talk Radio, uh, iHeart Radio nationwide. We're global, robertmanny.com, KCAA, KCA Streaming. We're all over the place, and we're back here on KCA in Southern California every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 102.3, 106.5, and 10.50 a.m. It's been my pleasure to do the show. Many more to come. We keep growing. Um, thank you so much for hanging in there with me. I'm doing the best I can to bring you the best guests and showing you a good time along the way. So, Guys Guys Radio, we're going to be back next week. As I always like to say, Guys Guys, finish first. Finish first.